0: This is Shelby from Afterwards Paranormal Podcast, and welcome to my story. In Episode 3, I had a writing prompt for everyone about the cemetery rules. It was to pick one of the rules about do's and don'ts in the cemetery and write a what-if story if you broke that rule. I chose, don't wear new shoes in the cemetery. I don't profess to be a great writer, but I do enjoy the writing process, taking an idea and just going with it. So that's really what this story is. Writing to me is a process. It's not some mysterious talent that you're just born with. It's storytelling. We all tell stories to each other all the time. Even, guess what I did this weekend? Or the weirdest thing happened to me on the way to work. Writing is simply putting stories on paper. There are techniques, yes, to make your story interesting, but you can learn those. How do I know? I taught English and creative writing to junior high kids of all abilities and levels. And if they can do it, so can anyone. Why am I telling you this? Because I want you to send me your stories. Don't worry about how you write. Just send me a story. The purpose of Afterwards Paranormal is to share haunting stories. Don't be intimidated by the fact that you didn't wake up Stephen King this morning. Just tell your stories. They don't have to be long. They don't have to be written. Just send them in. Please. You can post them on our Facebook page, or you can send them to afterwardsstories at gmail.com. And that's A-F-T-E-R-W-O-R-D-S-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. Don't be shy. Okay, that's enough of my pep talk. Now, my story, New Shoes. sat back on her stool to evaluate her work. The senator's wife was coming along nicely. She had chosen a spring palette for her, and the results were better than she'd expected. The poor woman had come in so sallow, thin, and fragile, like a baby bird frozen to death. But what did Anne expect? It had been cancer, after all. No hair, not even eyebrows, and her eyes had been so sunken into the skeletal sockets they seemed swallowed by her skull. Anne did not linger on the appearance of her corpse, but instead summoned up a memory of her she'd seen on TV, standing with her newly elected husband on a stage covered with confetti and balloons. She was radiant that night, and even though she'd voted for the other guy, Anne was impressed by Mrs. Riley's beauty and class. That's the image she kept in her mind all while doing her makeup. That radiance. That life. She had injected filler to restore her face to its former shape, carefully penciled on realistic eyebrows and chosen a wig that was an exact match to her hair. She'd done it all from a photograph provided by the family and added her own small touches like a dab of darker lipstick in the middle of her lower lip. She looked classy, and Anne smiled down at her and said, "'There now. Isn't that better, Mrs. Riley? You look very pretty.' "'Yes, she does, Anne.' Anne whirled around to see her boss, Mrs. Larkin, standing in the doorway. "'You really have a gift.' as as if you've gotten to know her, who she was as a person. It's true of all your clients. Thank you, said Anne quietly. It's important to make them look peaceful, not sick, frightened, or sad like they were at the end. Mrs. Larkin nodded in agreement. Well, I'm very pleased with your work. This is an extremely important funeral for us. The senator is wealthy, influential, and has lots of wealthy and influential friends. They will all be here this evening for the service. If we make a good impression, I'm sure more of business will come from that bunch. It means more income, and perhaps even a raise for you, Anne. Anne smiled back at her. Mrs. L. was always pushing for the upper crust clients. Anne knew money was important, but Mrs. L.'s greedy attitude sometimes caused a twist in the pit of Anne's stomach. Well, help Sue get Mrs. Riley ready, then dress yourself for the service this evening. What will you be wearing, dear? All staff were expected to attend all services at the mortuary. Mrs. L. thought it gave a more professional appearance. That gray dress there on the hanger. Mrs. Larkin marched over and examined it. Anne added hastily, It has a silk knickerchief as well. I see. Very well. And shoes? These I have on. They were black Mary Janes with a low heel. She'd had them forever, and they were comfortable and simple. Hmm... "'One would wish for something a little bit more elegant, dear. "'These are the only black shoes I have, sorry.' "'Mrs. Larkin sighed and said, "'Well, the service doesn't start until five o'clock. "'That will give you time to find something nicer.' "'She gestured toward Mrs. Riley. "'Get her dressed. Sue is running late.' "'She turned quickly and strode down the hall towards the stairs. "'The Riley family had brought in a sky-blue wool suit "'and silk shirt for Mrs. Riley.' She didn't usually have to dress the clients, but Anne dressed her with care, trying not to feel the heat in her cheeks brought on by Mrs. Larkin's admonishments. Who cared about shoes at a funeral? Everyone should be occupied with the deceased, not checking out each other's shoes. Speaking of shoes, Anne had not found any for Mrs. Riley. She stood with her hands on her hips. Had they forgotten? Griping at you again? Anne recognized the voice of Sue Larkin, Mrs. Larkin's oldest daughter, She was a chubbier, calmer version of her mother. She rolled the coffin in next to the table. Shoes. I have to get new shoes before the service. Yeah, she's really on about this one. She wants us all there looking sharp. Got to get in good with the deep pockets. Don't get new shoes. Go to the second-hand store. She won't know. Anne smiled. That's a great idea. Oh, do you know if she has shoes? She indicated Mrs. Riley. Shoes? The dead are not usually buried with shoes. No one sees their feet in the coffin. Oh, I've never put them in the coffin. I had no idea. Anne felt a little odd about it. They aren't likely to get up and walk anywhere. Sue winked and smiled. Together they got Mrs. Riley in her coffin, arranged her nicely, and took her upstairs to the chapel. Anne only had two hours for shoe shopping. She had no luck at the thrift store, but found an inexpensive pair at a knockoff department store. They had stiletto heels and pinched her left foot, but time was running out and she couldn't be picky. The funeral was only for family and close friends, around thirty people total. They were definitely the rich and richer. Before the service, they swooned around like black swans on a pond, and Mrs. L. smarmed her way through them, offering tissues and business cards to everyone. The funeral was two hours long, and was on her feet most of the time, handing out programs and psalm books and offering tissues to the weeping. At the end, her feet were on fire. She got a bit of rest on the drive to the cemetery, but had to stand for the graveside service because Mrs. L. insisted that the mortuary stand united directly behind the family. She fought to stay upright as her heels kept sinking into the grass. Just wobble professionally, she thought. Lovely shoes. A raspy, feminine voice whispered beside her. She turned to say thank you, but the person closest to her was a man. She turned around and looked behind her. No one was there. The shoes. I want them. The voice breathed against her ear this time. Her hand shot up to her ear so suddenly the man next to her shot her a puzzled look. Give them to me. Give them to me. My feet are bare. My feet are bare. Now it was two voices overlapping each other. Anne whirled around to the left. Nothing. She whirled to the right and saw Mrs. L glaring at her. Mrs. L mouthed the words, Be still. Anne snapped back into position, her face stinging with embarrassment. The remainder of the service went smoothly and the mourners drifted away. Mrs. L's comforting arm was draped across the senator's back like an octopus's tentacle. Anne volunteered to stay behind to get the burial paperwork signed. After her weird outburst, Anne didn't want to be around any of them. The sexton signed the burial release without comment and turned to their shoveling. Anne slipped the papers into the contract folder and walked away. It had begun to turn dark, and a cold breeze had picked up. Anne's car was almost five minutes across the vast cemetery walkways. She longed to doff her shoes, but what if Mrs. L. was lurking behind some bush and caught her barefoot? She couldn't chance it, and just kept walking. It seemed suddenly much darker. She shivered against the breeze, now blowing hard enough to kick up leaves and dirt. She quickened her steps. The shoes... "'I need them!' Anne froze. It was the same voice, same raspy whisper. It had come from behind her. It had to be someone playing a joke, someone in the cemetery having a laugh, maybe one of the Sextons. She turned back sharply and said, "'This isn't funny. You might have gotten me fired today.' But there was no one on the walkway. Then she saw them. Women. A dozen women standing among the headstones, Filmy white silhouettes against the black night. They stared Anne down with their smoky eyeless sockets. Shoes came the voice again. Now all their voices joined together, randomly repeating the words over and over. Shoes, want. shoes them. Want. Shoes. She them. Want. I shoes. need them. I need them I need them. Anne turned around to run but was met with more ghastly figures taking up the chant. Shoes, mine, mine, mine. Shoes, Shoes, I need them, I have them. Shoes, God, they were everywhere. Choose. Anne covered her ears, squeezed her eyes shut, and Choose. dropped to the walkway. She held the contract folder up like a shield. It was no use. The voices were inside her head, whispering louder and louder. "'All right, shoes. all right, oh, take the damn things!' Mind. Anne pulled off her shoes one at a time and flung them at the shoes. misty figures. "'There, there that. you are!' Her last words landed on an empty cemetery. The women were gone. All was silent. A night bird gave a soft coo, and Anne jumped up and ran. She reached her car and with fumbling fingers unlocked it, slid into the seat and slammed the door. Safe. She was safe. Safe. Only then did she dare look back. Nothing, just the dark and peaceful dead. Perhaps it had been her imagination. She should go back, retrieve the shoes, and no one would be the wiser. Mine, I need them. She could still hear their voices. Leave the shoes. They really weren't hers any more. She'd given them to the women. She put the key in the ignition, gunned the motor, and sped off into the night. If she had to buy them herself, she would never let any of her clients go into the ground without shoes again. The next day, the groundskeepers found two black shoes embedded in the grass between the graves of Mrs. Morris, 1945-2009, to 2009, and Mrs. Williams, 1926-1997. to 1997. "'What should we do with them? They're brand new,' said one, poking at them with his shovel. "'Put them in the box with the others. They get taken to goodwill.' said the other. What a waste, said the first. Don't people know not to wear new shoes in the cemetery? He dug in the earth, and the shoes came up in a shovel full of sod. All fashion and no sense. That's what I have to say about it. The other man took the shoes and threw them unceremoniously into the wheelbarrow. Well, that's the end. I hope you like the story. I'd love any kind of feedback you want to give me about whether you liked it or you didn't like it, things I need to work on. I'd love to hear from you. Remember that you can do those prompts anytime you want. I've got them listed on the Facebook page and on our website. The story can be anywhere from a few lines of an idea that you might have or a story. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't, please listen and subscribe to our podcast, Afterwards Paranormal, where you will find more creepy fun. That's all from me, your host Shelby. And remember, I always leave the last words for you.